Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 1 Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house. This is, I believe, the third time in the Bible that fire came down from heaven. Once was when Elijah called fire down from heaven to consume a burnt offering. I think one of the patriarchs also, when he made an offering to the Lord, it was consumed with fire. That's something when you don't have to light the offering, when God himself sends his own fire down. And fire in the Bible means purification. It makes sense that he would send his fire down for the burnt offering, because the burnt offering means that you're consecrated unto the Lord. That means that your entire life is all for Jesus and nobody else. And in order to be consecrated for Jesus, you do have to be purified. You can't be full of the filth of the world. And so that fire of God purifies us. 2. And the priests could not enter into the house of the Lord, because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. We cannot stand in the presence of God as we are. That's why in heaven we'll have new bodies that are glorified, and therefore we will be able to stand in the presence of God. But as we are now, we can't do it. He's too holy. In fact, in order for God to be face-to-face -face with people in a natural way, he had to come down in the similitude of a human being, and that is Jesus Christ. 3. And all the children of Israel looked on, when the fire came down, and the glory of the Lord was upon the house, and they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement, and prostrated themselves, and gave thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And again, that phrase from David, for he is good for his mercy endureth forever. And that is the phrase, the saying, by which the glory filled the temple. It says they were face down on the pavement, and this shows you that they did have pavement in ancient times. The pavement was also mentioned when Jesus Christ was on trial. The area that he was in was covered with pavement. In the desert, they didn't have pavement. The tabernacle was on sand. When they bowed before the Lord, they were on sand. But here they're on pavement. 4. And the king and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord. 5. And King Solomon offered a sacrifice of twenty and two thousand oxen and a hundred and twenty thousand sheep. So the king and all the people dedicated the house of God. That's incredible. And of course, the Levites would get to eat some of that. And if any of that is a fellowship offering, it would be shared with the people as well. 6. And the priests stood according to their offices, the Levites also with instruments of music of the Lord, which David the king had made to give thanks unto the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Again, that same phrase. This is a phrase that God loves. So if you want to make God smile when you wake up in the morning, you can say this to him, I give you thanks for your mercy endureth forever. With the praises of David by their hand, and the priests sounded trumpets over against them, and all Israel stood. The praises of David would mean the song of David. The Levite choir was singing the song of David that he had written, and all of Israel stood to listen. 
7. Moreover, Solomon hallowed the middle of the court that was before the house of the Lord, for there he offered the burnt offerings and the fat of the peace offerings, because the brazen altar which Solomon had made was not able to receive the burnt offering and the meal offering and the fat. That's because this offering was so great. There were thousands and thousands of animals being offered, so they couldn't do all of them on the regular altar where normally you would do all of the offerings. There were so many thousands of animals being offered that they had to have another altar temporarily in the middle court. The middle court is where clean men can be. The inner court is where only the Levites can be, and then the sanctuary is where only the priests can be. And then the outer court, that's where women can sometimes go if they're clean. Nobody can enter who isn't clean. Usually women wouldn't be able to enter because they have bodily fluids coming out of them all of the time. Anybody with a disease wouldn't be able to enter either. And this symbolizes that when we get to heaven, we will be perfect with no disease, no imperfections, no bodily fluids coming out of us. We will be in our absolute perfect state. Now God always required all of the fat. He said it was a sweet savor to him. He didn't want the Israelites to eat the fat. Now this was probably good for them in a sense, but also the fat was the most precious part of the animal, and that's why God required it for himself. You always give your best to God. You don't give him your least. You give him your best, and that was the fat of the animal. 8. So Solomon held the feast at that time seven days, and all Israel with him, a very great congregation, from the entrance of Hamath unto the brook of Egypt. This is a huge space of land because it's the entire nation of Israel. This is a massive celebration going for miles and miles and miles. Because not all of them can fit in Jerusalem right at the temple. 9. And on the eighth day they held a solemn assembly, for they kept the dedication of the altar seven days and the feast seven days. The dedication of the altar feast lasted for seven days, then on the eighth day they had an assembly and then another six days after that for the rest of the feast. 10. And on the three and twentieth day of the seventh month, he sent the people away unto their tents, joyful and glad of heart, for the goodness that the Lord had shown unto David and to Solomon and to Israel his people. Everybody rejoiced because now they had the beautiful golden temple, the ark was in it, God was in it, there was so much to be thankful for. And this shows us how full of joy we're going to be when we're in heaven with God, when we're abiding with him for all eternity. It feels good to be with God. That's why I'm not tempted to sin the way I used to in the past, because it feels really good to be with God. It feels better to walk with Jesus than those years of sin felt. If you're in sin, I want you to know that there is a better life for you that actually feels good that it isn't fleeting moments of pleasure interspersed with despair and misery. That when you're with God, you have peace and joy and belonging and comfort and happiness all of the time. And it prevents you from wanting to go back to that old life because it feels so good. 11. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house and all that came into Solomon's heart to make in the house of the Lord and in his own house he prosperously effected. Solomon built his own palace plus the temple. He spent longer building his palace, and his palace was bigger. But his palace wasn't gold. 
So we have to remember that even though his palace was bigger and he spent longer building it, the temple was more beautiful because the temple was gold. 12. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. Now you would think Solomon already knew this, but the Lord tells us things for confirmation and because we're really thick-headed and we need to hear him tell us things sometimes. And so he's confirming this is where he wants his house for sacrifices. 13. If I shut up heaven and there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. 14. If my people upon whom my name is called shall humble themselves, and pray and seek my face, and turn from their evil ways, then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. This is a very famously quoted verse. This is Second Chronicles 7, chapter 14, and people love to quote this verse. Whenever they're talking about politics, they want to say, well, we need to end pornography, end abortion, end sex trafficking, because when we repent of our sins and humble ourselves, he will bless the land. But this command, now I'm not saying that's wrong, because it isn't. I'm against all of those things too, and I would definitely vote against all of them. But this verse is for the people of God, not the lost. This verse is saying when the people of God repent of their sins. The commandment is not to make sinners repent. The commandment is to make Christians repent. And there's a big, big difference. It says if my people. There are so many Christians in the church today who engage in sin. And that's what this verse is talking about. The people in the church, not the people out in the secular world. And what the church does wrong is we try to force secular people to stop sinning, thinking that this verse applies in that fashion and that the land will be blessed. No, God is only commanding that Christians stop sinning, and then the land will be blessed. Yeah, he wants everybody to stop sinning, but this command is about his people, not the lost. We need to remember that. We need to look in the mirror and repent of our own sin. It will be blessed when we look in the mirror and say, what's wrong with me? And we repent of what we're doing. And also God is confirming Solomon's prayer in the last chapter because Solomon said, Dear Lord, if we sin and you send pestilence, will you forgive us when we repent? And now God is speaking to Solomon saying, Yes, I will. Yes, I agree to that. Absolutely. 15. Now mine eyes shall be open and mine ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. This is verbatim a repeat of Solomon's prayer in the last chapter, because Solomon also said, will you keep your eyes and your ears on this temple and listen to our prayers? And God is now affirming, yes, I will keep my eyes and my ears on this temple. 16. For now I have chosen and hallowed this place, and my name may be there forever, and mine eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. Perpetually also means forever. And Jesus is going to come for a thousand years, and there will be a millennial reign of Jesus Christ. And then after that, there will be a new heaven, which will basically be the new Jerusalem. So when he said forever, he meant forever. 17. And as for thee, for thou wilt walk before me as David thy father walked, and do according to all that I have commanded thee, and wilt keep my statutes and mine ordinances. God is now commanding Solomon to keep all of the commandments of God. Now, 
Unfortunately, sadly, Solomon did not do that. He later plummeted into a life of terrible sin. But at this point, he wasn't sinning. 18. Then I will establish the throne of thy kingdom, according as I covenanted with David thy father, saying, There shall not fail thee a man to be ruler in Israel. Because Solomon sinned, eventually the kingship of Israel ended until we had Jesus Christ, who they did not recognize as king. But if Solomon hadn't have sinned, that kingship would have continued into the time of Jesus Christ. 19. But if ye turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments, which I have set before you, and shall go and serve other gods and worship them, 20. Then will I pluck them up by the roots out of my land, which I have given them, and this house which I have hollowed for my name I will cast out of my sight, and I will make it a proverb and a byword among all peoples. This happened a couple of times. The Israelites sinned so much that they were scattered abroad, and also the temple was destroyed twice. Solomon's golden temple was first destroyed, and then later on when the Israelites sinned again, Herod's temple was destroyed. 21. And this house which is so high, every one that passeth by it shall be astonished, and shall say, Why hath the Lord done thus unto this land and to this house? God is saying, People will even ask why I destroyed your temple. 22. And they shall answer, because they forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who brought them forth out of the land of Egypt, and laid hold on other gods, and worshipped them, and served them. Therefore hath he brought all this evil upon them. And everybody will know that the Israelites were persecuted because they went to paganism. Now, when Jesus was alive, he said that there wouldn't be one stone standing upon the other when Herod's temple was destroyed. He prophesied it. In fact, that was one of the reasons that he was crucified. And what he said was true. The Western Wall today is not where Herod's temple was. Where Herod's temple was, all the stones were torn down. But traditionally, people claim that the Western Wall is Herod's temple. I don't believe it is. I believe it's in a different location. And what Jesus said is true. Not one stone stood on the other. The Western Wall, the reason it's still there is because it never was Herod's temple. And that concludes Second Chronicles chapter 7.